Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Longevity is the key to success. And that's from Ed Sequoia. And one more quote for you guys. A long life is a life well spent. And that's from Leonardo da Vinci. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jovan Hundle, and today's theme is the gift of longevity. And I'm Jack Palacos. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal, giving fund with no additional feeds. And to start off this hour, we'll be reading a chapter from our brand new book, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. The book's now available at <laughs> CynthiaBryan.com slash online store, and it'll soon be available at Amazon and other booksellers. Make sure to pick up your copy as soon as possible. And so without further ado, here's The Gift of Longevity by Cynthia Bryan. In the same week that I was recovering from a serious case of mumps, five children in the United States, including my... Sorry. In the same week that I was recovering from a serious case of mumps, five children in the United States, including myself, were diagnosed with a severe swelling of the brain known as encephalitis. Four died within 14 days. Miraculously, I was the only survivor. Ever since, I've had a great respect for the fragility of life. I plan on living to 108. Before antibiotics and vaccinations were discovered and implemented, 50% of children died before they were five from many of the killer diseases, including measles, mumps, chickenpox, polio, whooping cough, and malnutrition. In developing countries, these illnesses are still a major problem. Being a child is a risky business. Life expectancy has changed dramatically since the time of the Roman Empire, when the average lifespan was 22 to 25 years. In 1900, the world average was 30, while in America, a male could expect to live to 46 for about 46 years, and a female to about 48 years. Fast forward 100 years to millennials born in 2000, where the average man is expected to live 75 and woman to 80. Add a dozen and a half more years, and a baby born in 2018 has the potential to live to 150 or more. What has changed to make the pages of science fiction a reality? One of the main reasons we can expect to live longer is because we didn't die young. Improvements in science, medicine, hygiene, nutrition, 
public health awareness, sanitation, clean water, and safety precautions in the workplace have all contributed to the longevity revolution. In first world countries where ample food supply is the norm, lifestyle choices have improved with the dissemination of scientific information. Listing ingredients on packaging, washing hands, getting annual checkups, and an emphasis on preventative medicine as well as an attitude of positive mindfulness have assisted in upping the aging ante. According to statistics gathered from the United Nations for the period of 2005 until 2010, the world's highest life expectancy is found in Japan. Until westernized customs hit Okinawa, it was considered the mecca of low mortality with more centenarians than anywhere else on the globe. 42 per 100,000 people versus 10 per 100,000 residents in industrialized countries. Interestingly, 86% of the centenarians are women. What characteristics set them apart from the rest of the world's population? The Okinawa Centenarian Study found that Okinawan elders are laid back, easygoing, adaptable, optimistic, relying on strong family and friend connections, plus deep spiritual beliefs. They also follow a low-calorie diet of fish, vegetables, pork, small amounts of rice, and eat as Confucius instructed. Eat not until you are full, but until you are 8 parts out of 10 full. In other words, 80% satiated. But if you don't live in Japan or in areas designated as longevity blue zones, what can you do to increase your odds of living to 80, 90, or 100? As long as you don't get run over by a bus, killed in a bizarre accident or terrorist attack, here are 20 things you can do to increase your odds of living until old age. Number one, sleep seven to nine hours every night. Two, decrease usage of medications and drugs. Three, drink more coffee, green tea, and plenty of water. Four, eliminate sugar. Five, load up on fresh vegetables and fruits. Six, bathe your senses in nature. Seven, exercise. Eight, eat nuts, especially almonds and cashews. Nine, discover your purpose, passion, and positivity. Ten, adopt a pet. Eleven, wear sunscreen and limit sun exposure. Twelve, attend religious services or believe in a higher power. Thirteen, socialize with friends and family. 14. Read as often as possible. 15. Check in with your physician. 16. Moderate your alcohol intake. 17. Laugh often. 18. Stay married or faithful to a lifelong partner. 19. Invest and save money for a rainy day. And finally, enjoy your vacations and playtime. There are no guarantees in life except the true cliché of death and taxes, but embracing a healthy lifestyle filled with love, laughter, hobbies, recreations, friends, and family decreases the cellular deterioration leading to premature aging caused by stress. Begin to live today with the hand you are dealt. What you do with it is up to you. And so now here's a small little exercise Cynthia has included for us called Live Like You Are Dying. From the moment we are born until the day we take our last breath on this planet, we are in the process of dying. Our genetics account for just 25% of our potential to live a long, full life. The other 75% is up to us to implement. If you need a roadmap to guide you to old age, get out your pen or your keyboard and take inventory of your daily habits. Review the 20 tips above and elaborate on what you are doing to increase your odds of longevity. Are you getting the right amount of vitamin D? Are you over or under eating? Do you get adequate Z's? When was your last physical? Have you had a flu shot this year? Are you working too many hours? Is stress your normal mode? Do you pray, walk in nature, and appreciate the beauty surrounding you? Remember that work is not life. Time is precious. The clock is ticking. 
I grant you permission to pause, pamper, and play. Don't be afraid that your life will end. Be afraid that it will never begin. I wish you a long, healthy, happy life. See you at 108. And in the end, it's not the years in your life that counts. It's the life in your years. Abraham Lincoln. Wow, I thought that was a great chapter from Cynthia. It definitely gave us that sense that, you know, we should always make the most of what we're doing. You don't want to always, um, you know, just kind of stay laid back and let things happen in front of you. You know, you kind of want to be proactive and do all the things that you can and experience all that you can before you have to go. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, it, it's definitely really important to kind of just really live a good life instead of stressing over, like, one thing. Like, maybe if it's work or um, school. Like, school's really important, and it definitely should be taking up, like, a good amount of your time, obviously. But it shouldn't be the only thing that you do in your free time. It's just studying for school and just constantly doing homework because like it, it gets to a point where it, like it can actually be less beneficial to just always be studying and never really having fun than it would be if you could were like actually living your life and interacting with friends and family yeah I 100% agree um you know there's that old saying all work and no play makes Jack a very dull boy yeah. and I get the irony then with your name being Jack and that in the same but um yeah and I think the 20 tips that Cynthia had included with these chapters um you know they're a good thing no matter what you're doing like obviously if you're aiming to live the longest life possible then yeah definitely want to follow these but I think um no matter what you're trying to do I think these 20 tips are always a great thing to kind of refer back to and make sure you're living a healthy and happy life. Yeah, and I I really like how there's like 20 tips because uh, every single one of those tips, like none of them really take any effort to do. Like, um, for example, like for some of the tips, it's just like um, eat nuts, like almonds and cashews or just exercise or eliminate sugar. Like none of those really require that much effort like you know you can go out to this any grocery store buy some nuts and just eat them as a snack like that's not really that hard of a task to do but it'll increase your lifeline and just make you a healthier person so I really like how these tips are something that's like actually achievable because oftentimes whenever people are giving tips like oh you can do this it's something that uh, actually requires a lot of thought and effort and kind of makes it discouraging but these are just tips that if you decide in the spur of the moment, like, I want to do this, you can do it, and it'll take you, like, 30 seconds for a lot of these. Yeah, I definitely agree. They're definitely very um, kind of easy to start little things that, you know, we can start doing at any time, and we should start doing it as soon as possible. So, um, listeners, if you're out there, don't procrastinate on these. Start these ASAP. Um, And, yeah, so I just wanted to thank Cynthia for such an excellent chapter. It definitely hit upon a lot of different points that I think are very interesting to keep in mind, things that we definitely should start following, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I want to thank Cynthia for this chapter, and unfortunately that is all the time we have for this segment, but listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. Make sure to also check out the book this is from, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, which is going to be on our site, cynthiabryan.com slash online store. We have lots of fun events coming up, so also check out be the star you are.org and follow our blog. 
I'm Jovan Hundle. And I'm Jack Polakos. Watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. In addition, Be The Star You Are founder and Express Yourself producer Cynthia Bryan has just authored a brand new book, Growing With The Goddess Gardener. It's now available at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store with 25% of proceeds benefiting Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our conversation about the gift of longevity. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jovan Hundle on Express Yourself, and today's theme is The Gift of Longevity. And I'm Jack Palacos. In this segment, we have an amazing guest joining us today. Today's guest is Mac Borgen. He is a national award-winning author and graduated from Harvard Law School. He also graduated from the University of California with an honors in economics and where he notably delivered the last university-wide student commencement address before heading east to law school. Mr. Borgen is a native of Montana and was raised in the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest. His interesting life included spending four years in the United States Army, and he also lived and wrote in Europe for a brief period. His path in his life then returned him to the West Coast, where he began a long career in the San Francisco Bay Area and in Orange County, California. He spent his time simultaneously practicing law and writing about various economic, political, and social matters. We are excited to have him on the show to talk about his newly released book entitled Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America. This book is one of a series of history books that share history in an entirely new way. And by new, we mean fun to read and easy to understand and relate to. And with that, let's welcome Mac onto the show. Hi, Mac. Hello, how are you? Nice to be here. I look forward uh, to talking to you and trying to answer any questions you might have. All right. Um, so I was just wondering, like, right off the bat, um, what kind of inspired you to start writing in general? Uh, fair question. Good question. I have always been a writer um, uh, on just about any subject. I find myself more precise in writing than I do in my words. And for those around me, uh, writing allows me to shut up more. So it's probably good for everybody. <laughs> that, yeah, I'm, I'm not really that great of a writer myself sometimes. Um, 
like I, I enjoy writing, but uh, I usually tend not to if I don't really have to write a lot. But well, um, he was a, a young interviewer once asked Ernest Hemingway uh, how he was such a great writer. And his response was, actually, I'm not a very good writer, but every once in a while I can write better than I can. So <laughs> even though you might not think you're a good writer, just start. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, and I like that because then that can sort of lead somebody down a path where they might, you know, pursue writing. And so then sort of along those lines with your new book series, so Dead Serious and Lighthearted, so you're kind of giving this humorous take on history. And so do you think this will kind of lure new interested people into the whole field of history? Um, the, the purpose of the book uh, is, a, is a little bit different than that. The uh, first, let me say that there are very, very many dedicated and good history teachers and history professors and particularly uh, history writers. However, the way that history is being taught in America right now is normally not very good. It is poorly taught with exceptions, but it's generally poorly taught and it's rarely learned. To the great danger, and I think that's literally the word I would choose to use, to the great danger, potential danger to our country, history is increasingly being viewed as a hobby, as some kind of collection of dates, places, battles, um, at least in the context of the 19th century, uh, dead white men, long, boring stories. And even more dangerous is that it is viewed as somewhat irrelevant. I happen to have a 15-year-old son who is occasionally points out to me that anything that existed before the Internet didn't exist. If you can't Google it, it's not there. <laughs> and that is, that is meant jokingly, but it is also a frightening concept. So the purpose of these three books, Dead Serious and Lighthearted, is to try to teach history in a, in a new way, in a more attractive way, whereby you don't need to take an 800-page book, start reading on page one, and read for three weeks. Instead, history is a very disorganized subject. It comes at us from every different direction. It comes at us scary, it comes at us serious, it comes at us lighthearted. So let me kind of pause there. The idea is to re-engage Americans into studying history, and better yet, let's not use the word studying, enjoying history. It's useful, and it's fun. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree that like now history is seeming to become like less... Uh, I, I, I guess people are becoming less interested in history in general, because uh, like, at school, a lot of times when like people are going to classes... People aren't really like ex as excited about history as they are about maybe another subject, and I, I definitely agree that it, it's kind of because of the way it's taught, because it's always in the same format where they just give you some textbook pages, you take notes on it, and then it's just about like a king or just some battles that happened in history, and then you just move on to the next thing. Uh, yeah, and I was uh, I, I was going to ask you, do you think that um, is, do you think this is like because of the 
constantly updated and changing technology. Do you think like that's having an impact on history? Well, there's no question that that technology impacts everything. Yes, so th- there is a dimension to that. Um, let me throw out another idea, though. Um, the, when you, when I ask you or or, or your co-host, um, what is the purpose of education itself, or what is the purpose of learning? One response might be, and some would argue passionately, that it is in order for you to have a future, in order for you to become employable, in order for you to become um, get a job. A, a, a very purpose-driven education. On the other hand, I would argue another critical purpose of education is so that we can all think better. We can all analyze better. Our frames of reference are broader so that when an issue comes up or a question comes up, you can put it in the context and say, well, you know, well, well, what about that, sir? What about that, ma'am? Um, you have something to draw upon it, and you think more, more broadly. Now, is that directly related to employment? In my opinion, yes. I like, I like men and women to think clearly. Is it linear? Is it, you know, teaching you how to put a screw in the machine? No, it's not. Then, and another dimension I just throw out there is... We all need to be, I would encourage us all to be, maybe better citizens, a little bit smarter citizens. And part of that, our civic duty is to kind of know about this country and know where it came from, know what we went through. Um, up in there, there are two, there right now in this country for the first time in our history. We have four generations living side by side, four generations, every one of them distinctly different frames of reference. Your great-grandfather, Pearl Harbor. Your grandfather, Kennedy assassination. I mean, you know, and and to you and me and my son is 9-11. Completely different frames of reference. And you know what? They all get a vote. That's weird if you think about it. Wow, I love that perspective. I never really thought of history in that light. Um, And so then I kind of also wanted to ask you then, so just kind of looking through your book and seeing all the different topics that you cover in there, you know, a lot of them aren't necessarily topics that we see in a lot of, you know, like general American history books. And so I wanted to ask you then, so when topics are, you know, kind of selectively chosen for textbooks or just selectively chosen in general, do you think that kind of, um, that whole bias that just that in, bias that's inherent when you kind of curate cho- topics like that. Do you think that also is a sort of danger? Can, can, can I ask you? I, I'm not quite sure I got your question. It's, it's a good one. I, I could just phrase it one more time. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to ask you. Um, so, like the breadth of all the topics that you cover in your book versus, you know, the smaller range of topics found in a lot of other history books, do you think that you can also say that there's a sort of danger in where we only teach a few topics from a certain time period, and then so that entire time period is just confined to those few topics? 
Okay, I, I, the biggest uh, limitation I have in my book is I only focus upon modern America. I define, and you know, that's not a, a uh, uh, that's my definition of when it began. I picked the year 1957, which seems like a long time ago to some people. To other people, it's like yesterday. But the definition of modern America is 1957 to 2015. That's the window I'm looking at. That's one definition. The second definition is, can, can you learn it by looking at a broad brush of a lot of different subjects? And the answer is, one, very defensive. It's better than nothing. And secondly, if the book is intended to deliver history the way it arrived, not everything is serious. And it's important for we Americans to remember how to look back and laugh. Some stuff was just funny. Some stuff was just fascinating. Some stuff was lighthearted. It's not, history is sometimes suggested as, oh my gosh, just heavy, serious thick subjects. But you know what? If you think about think about yesterday, just literally your personal I'm not asking you, but your personal life yesterday. I bet there was good, there was bad, there was indifferent, there was boring, there was happy, there was tight. That's the way our nation was. Three days ago John McCain died. A great senator from Arizona. Well, you know, that dominated the news. Three months yeah, ago, the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl took over the news, and you know it all comes at us differently. But it's good to know it all as best we can. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree. Like it is good to have like just a lot of knowledge about history because the like, history is a subject that definitely like it's just as important as like every other subject. Like you really do need to know what went on in our history, um, and I I think that. Like, it's, it's really good that your book is kind of, it's doing that, but in a way that's more enticing for the average person rather than just learning about these, like, because right now I'm taking uh, AP European history, and, like, we started off with the Black Plague, which killed, like, half of Europe's population, and, like, that's just a dark topic that's probably not, like, uh, as fun as something that's more lighthearted and a part of history that's I think I think that would be on the dead serious part of the page, yes. Yeah, yeah, like that's the dead serious part as opposed to like something that's more of a lighthearted part that's, you know, fun to read and engaging. And like this is a fascinating confer- conversation, but unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment, but we'll be continuing our conversation in the next part of the show. So listeners, be sure to learn more about Matt Borgen at www macborgan.com where you can find out more about his book Dead Serious and Lighthearted The Memorable Words of Modern America Volume 1, 1957 to 1976. I'm Jack Palacos. And I'm Jovan Handel. Visit www.bethestarur.org for more information about Express Yourself and BTSYA and look forward to chapters from our new anthology, Be the Star You Are Millennials to Boomers, Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which is available now. Go to bethestarur.org slash events as well to find more about upcoming opportunities for spreading positivity as a part of our charity. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our enlightening conversation on the gift of longevity.
show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at be the star you are radio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jovan Hundel, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we're extending a wonderful discussion about history with Mac Borgen. I'm Jack Palacos, enjoying our discussion of Mac Borgen's three-volume set of books titled Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America. Volume 1 presents the memorable words from 1957 to 1976. Volume 2 from 1977 to 1993, and Volume 3 from 1994 to 2015. This series of books, Dead Serious and Lighthearted, The Memorable Words of Modern America, introduces the history of modern America in an entirely new way. Without the tired stories, heavy words, without the litany of isms and ologies, the memorable words, both the dead serious and the lighthearted, are carefully presented. The fascinating and frivolous, the tragic and momentous, the eloquent and bumbling, the touching and endearing, from Ike to Obama, from Lucy to Lady Gaga. The dead serious and lighthearted series is written without agenda, but it carefully identifies who said what and when and where exactly. Its words can help us know our country and better remember who we are and from whence we came. Each entry is carefully placed into the context of our nation's recent history, whether the basis for that placement is rooted in the words humor, passion, eloquence, prescience, wisdom, shock, evil, or even foolery. And with that, let's welcome Mac back onto the show. Hi, Mac. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm just doing fine. Uh, So, continuing our discussion from last time... I was actually just really curious, like, do you have a particular scene in history or just an event that, like, your favorite event in history? Oh, wow. What a good question. Uh, My personal favorite event in history that I've kind of been a part of or seen, is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Just like, or it doesn't have to be, um, like, your personal experience, maybe something that you've studied before, just any event in history that... Just like it's just your favorite event that ever happened in general, I guess. Oh, uh, too too many to count. Um, <laughs> uh, well, however, one comes to mind. Um, 
I was, at that time, a young man. I had just graduated from Brooklyn. I was traveling through Europe, um, learning how to drink wine and drink beer and, and eat, eat French food. I was traveling with a couple of buddies, and we stood in front of the U.S. Embassy in Paris. In front of the U.S. Embassy was a sheet of cloth the size of a football field. In front of the embassy were about 10,000 relatively intoxicated Frenchmen and French women and a few American students like myself, and we all on the screen watched the first man step on the moon. It was, oh, wow. wow. It, it was an amazing experience. Uh, everybody has different opinions of the French. I happen to love them. It was the biggest party I've ever seen, and I'll never forget. Uh, one small step for mankind. Oh, that's amazing. Well, that, it's... that might that might be it. <laughs> to have that Although kind of event would, I... still in your mind, so much later, that's an amazing experience. Yeah, on a personal um. level, getting married and having my son, I mean, that was on a personal level. But on the national level, that was it. Definitely. Um, and so I also wanted to ask you, so, you know, you had said about how you specifically chose 1957 to start your timeline for modern America. And so I wanted to ask you about that then. Why did you start specifically in 1957? Um, there, there's a, a, a relatively large text of the book yeah, that that describes my concept of history, the purpose of the book, and my definition of modern America. And it talks that there are a number of, of alternative dates that could have been selected. The reason I picked 1957, it is a collage of, of reasons. Um, try to think back there, and, 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 and you weren't alive, neither was I, but try to, we can imagine this quite easily. Um... The men had come home from World War II. They had now come up home from Korea. All they wanted to do, those that had survived, was get on with their lives. Uh, America was booming uh, for America and the Allies won the war. Very bluntly, there was a perception of many Americans, not all, to be sure, especially minority Americans, but there was a perception among uh, many Americans that things were good, things were calm. The world is back in orbit. And that went on from 1946. It went on through the early 60s. But in 1957, a couple things happened. Number one, um, there's a new word that came into the English language. And that new word was teenagers. But it had never been seen before as kind of a sub-generation. It was never seen as a, uh, a target of marketing, uh, very bluntly, teenagers were kids that were supposed to be quiet and do what their parents said. They're not supposed to have independent minds and roam freely and uh, scroll on the screens. Um, in 1957, uh, it seems weird, it was no larger than a basketball, but a satellite was put in space by the Soviets. It was called Sputnik, and it went across the American continent circled the orbit, obviously, but it was the first satellite from the Soviets, and the headlines of most of the American national newspapers went beep, 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 and Americans said, my gosh, they're spying on us, we're back at war, and the Cold War began. Those are two things that kind of went with social teenagers. It really radicalized everything. Started thinking for themselves, and that's a good and a bad thing. 
And the, it, if there is one beginning of the Cold War and the realization that everything might not be perfect, that was it. And one more thing should be mentioned, and that was in 1957 is when the Dwight Eisenhower, a Republican president, ordered out the National Guard so that nine black children were forcibly admitted to Little Rock Integrated School for the first time. National news, and it started making a difference in the civil rights movement. But there are many reasons, but that, those are three that come to mind. Yeah, that definitely like seems like a lot of supportive evidence for why you chose that specific year. And like obviously, with all of your success in your new book, um, like you're clearly, you know, like you're experienced with history. Um, and so I was just curious, like, do you have a favorite historian yourself? Um, I do. Uh, yes. If, uh, you know, the old proverbial joke, you put a gun to my head and you only have one book to read, what would it be? Uh, I would read a, a book called, um, first, if you, if you don't mind me saying, I'd love it if you'd buy and read my books. They're on Amazon and MacWBorkin.com. But if you have more time and better taste, I would read a book by called by William Manchester. William Manchester called The Glory and the Dream. Um, every person has their own favorites. It happens to be mine. Um, his is a study, say, a window of American history. It, so that is one, yes, William Manchester, Glory and the Dream. Interesting, yeah. You know, it's always um, a tough question to have, but just an answer. Um, and so I also wanted to ask you then, so again, with the wealth of information that are in your books, um, so how exactly did you do your research then for this? Um, a wide range of different uh, sources. Um, we tend to be a very politicized world right now. So you read, uh, it, uh, you, you read. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, books. Uh, some newspapers are more politically conservative, but uh, some that are politically liberal, some that are socially driven, and so forth and so on. Um, uh, I tried to identify for certain categories of subjects that I, I would want to know for every year. What was the best movie? What was the Nobel Pulitzer Prize winning book? What was the New York Times best selling book? What were the, the dominant new television shows and on and on? Uh, so that was just kind of source research. Um, and then the, you read compilations or writings of other people on different subjects and they, they just keep triggering. There's a certain point at which you have to draw the line and I tried to identify those most dominant words. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, But that's like a good way of getting all the information because um, like having like skimmed through some of your book, uh, it definitely seems like like you, you got a really broad range, but it wasn't it wasn't so broad that you only just barely touched on stuff. But like it was broad, but everything at the same time was still super informative and in depth. And like obviously the purpose of your book is to kinda help keep history alive and inform people about it. And I was wondering like what well, what's like one of the best ways to learn history? Like other than just reading a book. Well, the um, two things. One that, that a good thing you point out. Uh, the, the, the books not only include the what I refer to as memorable words, but below each one, memorable word is 
who said it, what they said, when they said it, the context. And it varies, but yeah, from a half page to a page and a half, it talks about why, why was that memorable? Why is this included? What were they talking about? Why is it important? Um, and so, uh, but the best way to, to uh, actually the best, I don't know, the best way to learn history, um, stay alert. Keep reading. Uh, remember that it matters. I love sports. We all love headlines, but we've got to read some of the other stuff, too. Cumulatively, this stuff matters. It's, it's uh, apart from our families, apart from our hobbies, apart from our sports, this stuff matters. And here's the good news. It's also interesting. Definitely, yeah, that's, for sure. Um, oh, and so, yeah, I just wanted to ask one more question then before we go. And just kind of about our like millennials and Gen Zers. Do you think that, number one, history like more applicable than ever, but do you also think that you know we're uniquely uninformed about history, whether it's due to our own fault or just the way it's taught in schools? Do you think that we are uniquely uninformed about history? Uh, I, I don't want to worry about where your fault uh, lies. Um, and, you know, what we want to do is kind of compare it to a relatively recent America. I mean, in the 19th century, people, many people didn't even go to school. But uh, so let's just talk about the last 50 years. Are we less informed? The answer is absolutely, in my opinion, yes. Um, history is being viewed more and more as a hobby subject, an elective subject. I mean, I'm the first to agree that math is tidier. I'm the first to agree, agree that science is important. I'm first to agree that uh, language is important. Yeah, I hate to fill up the day, but so is this. Um, and there, as more people have driven education towards employment, there is less viewing of education as a renaissance subject. It is important to have breadth. You're not going to do it your entire life. You're going to go to school through the age 22, 25. Unless you're a doctor, then you've got to go to school until you're 55. But, you know, you can go to school for 25 years. Focus on those 25, but pick up all the subjects a little bit. In history, regrettably, that's one of them that they learn to enjoy it. But I think we are studying it less. We're learning it less. And part of it has to do with, like I say, people thinking it's irrelevant. It's not. Part of it has to do with people not trusting it. Variations of the, it's written by the victors, fake news stuff. No, actually certain things did happen. And certain things did matter. And to the people on the show, I think it kind of matters that up until 30 years ago, if, when you were done with high school and you turned 18, you owed the government two years in the military. I'm not quite sure how that matters today, but it's important to know that recently that was a demand that maybe should come back in terms of some form of mandatory public service or military service. I don't know. But that's the norm, not this. It's just one example. Yeah, that's a really good example, though. It's definitely important to learn from our history, though, because if we don't, then we'll probably just keep repeating our old mistakes that we've already made, which is why history like, really is an important subject, and it just helps our society improve rather than 
uh, just stay the same or even get worse. Uh, that <clears throat> and that was <clears throat> sorry, that was such an insightful discussion on history and how it unfolds over time, influencing us in ways we don't even realize. But unfortunately, this is all the time that we have today. So listeners, make sure to stay with us after the break and be sure to check out Mac Borgen at www.macwborgen.com. I'm Jack Palacos. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And I'm Jacobin Hundle. Sorry, what was that? I just wanted to thank you. It's been a delight being on your show. Absolutely. We've loved having you on our show and provided a lot of great insight into our theme today. Um, and so I'm Joven Hundel. Find more information about our show at expressyourselfteenradio.com. Make sure to also follow BTSYA and Express Yourself at bethestarur.org, where you can support our show and find more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Be The Star You Are. Today's theme is The Gift of Longevity. And here to end a fascinating and insightful show on longevity is my co-host for today, actually, Jack Palakos, with his segment, Trends Without Ends. Hello, audience. My name is Jack Palakos, and I'm really excited to be back on my segment, Trends Without Ends. Today, I'm going to be talking about current trends in longevity. Uh, for those of you who have just joined us, we've been talking about longevity this whole time. And in case you missed the meaning of longevity, it's basically living a long life or uh, like a long existence of something. Um, and we, our guest just talked about the longevity of history and of people and how that is important to our world today. And my focus for today is about trends of living a long life. And Living in 2018 means getting to experience and increase longevity as a person who lives in a developed country. Back in the 1900s, in the United States, the life expectancy was only 50 years old. But today, people live well into their 70s, 80s, and even beyond. Today, about 15% of the United States' population is over 65. By the middle of the century, that proportion will climb to 1 in 4, 25% of the population. This is a 30-year increase. So what kind of trends does that affect? For one, it affects the economy. Seniors are now worth about $8 trillion of wealth in the United States alone. And in that group, women outnumber men. So trends in the future will include focusing on serving the needs of this specific group. This group 
will eventually live longer and be healthier uh, because they'll be they're projected to um, keep working longer, which means they can make more money and then sustain themselves for longer. Um, and this might be by choice because they enjoy their career or out of economic necessity, but it's also because um, people are being able to stay healthier for longer, so they figure, oh, I don't really necessarily need to retire yet. I can still work for another decade or so, make uh, a bunch of extra savings, and then retire and still live an, another like, 20, 30 years of good life and just have a better life in general. So um, the people that... Uh, like our economy will also increase with this trend because th- it's basically meaning that if people are working longer, then our economy is increasing, obviously. So while people's longevity is increasing, so is the con- uh, so is like the economy and their contributions to society. So that's like a pretty important trend that's going on with the increase of lifespan. Definitely, yeah. So these, um, just as like a little parting thought, I remember, I don't know if you've seen the show Parks and Recreation, but there's a character in there, like an exercise health freak, and he has this quote in there that scientists believe the first person to live to 150 is already born, and and then he's all like, I believe I am that person. So just an interesting little parting thought, if I don't know the complete veracity of that statement, but just that amazing fact that people who are alive today are going to live far longer than people in previous generations. And so, yeah. yeah, thank you, Jack, for such a phenomenal segment. You know, your segments are always so insightful and perceptive with all the different trends you talk about. Um, with that, however, it is sadly time to say farewell. We do give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids group, especially our voice engineer, Josh. And thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Jovan Hundle. And I'm Jack Kalakos. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, look forward to the experiences ahead, be generous, and be here. Speak up, speak out and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars could shine between the lines if you would let yourself.